Welcome to the Mostly AV Who We Are show. In this series, we highlight an AV professional, learn more about their story, and get their take on our industry. And now, without further ado, please welcome our hosts, Michelle Lorette and Jerry Gallegos. Hi, Michelle. How are you today? <laughs> that didn't sound forced at all. Oh. I'm doing good, Jerry. It's raining here in Houston. Uh, I'm excited because an old friend and uh, former co-worker of yours is joining us today. On deck is Daniel Wright, a consultant with Shen Milsom and Wilkie. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Welcome, doing good. Daniel. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, so we're going back. To, we're, we're we're peppering in some of the regular episodes with the Who Are We series, um, and it's always nice to catch up with people. And I think those that are in the consulting world, because y'all work on such long term projects, um, I think you uh, are going to have some interesting stuff to to share with our listeners. Kind of about what's looking different and what's not looking different for the consultant in AV from a consultant's perspective. Does that sound like something fun that you want to talk about today? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it, it's changing rapidly what people think their workspaces are going to look like. So now, did you used to commute to the office or did you already do some work from home? Did you kind of do a hybrid or were you at downtown every day? I, I know that y'all don't have a parking garage in your building. So for myself, I uh, mainly commuted, but to other cities with an airplane. Gotcha, so, gotcha. Um, I, I, in, in that saying, I, I do have a home office set up and everything because when I was at home, I liked seeing my family and not commuting for multiple hours. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, pretty used to the work from home, getting used to the not visiting the airport portion of my job. So. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. going to be completely different as well. Um, so uh, did Chin have an uh, – how have they done in terms of communication? I think, I think that's always interesting because I'm at Kramer now and I think our CEO has done a really, really good job of being transparent. But when I talk to some of the people at different integrators, it varies wildly. Some of them, it's like, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, once we come up with something, we'll tell you. You know, others are getting a lot of constant feedback and communication from their leadership. Has Shin been pretty good about communicating? Uh yeah, Shin has been very communicative. Uh, in fact, more more so than normal. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's going to have to become the new norm. We hope this one continues. Uh, yeah, that's good. I feel like all of our employees know more of what's going on on a regular basis than we did before this. Oh, uh, even better. So, so yeah. a little bit of an improvement. Do you Have you had anything that's been paused? Or do you have anything where they want you to now get to a different stage and then it'll be paused and then they'll let you know when they're going to pick it back up? So we're kind of seeing a mix uh, projects that are developer driven uh-huh. ten- tended to go on pause okay. because of the uncertainty. Sure. Uh, if they didn't already have a base tenant or something in their building uh, for single owned tenants where they're, they're building their own building, they have moved forward with design. They, they may be holding on construction. Some of them that were closer to that uh, just because they can't construct in some cities, but all of them have been moving forward with design still. Uh, granted we're having, late breaking changes as to how meeting rooms are going to look and the size of some training spaces. But for the most part, staying the same on that. Yeah. What do you, uh, are, are people talking about germs and touching touch panels and can we have something where an elbow bump will work or, you know, anybody asking about the thermal sensors and things like that? Uh, yeah. I was having a conversation with one of our security consultants earlier this week and He's saying the manufacturers are coming out of the woodwork on his uh, side with oh, yeah. the thermal in- oh, imaging. Yeah. And uh, 
also people coming out and saying not as accurate as we think it is. Right. You right. Know, well, so be, be careful with what you look at on that. It, it will tell you if someone has a fever. Yeah. What we all traditionally think of, but you know, we'd hope that person stays home. It's the person who doesn't know it, but has a slightly elevated temperature. It's not going to tell us accurately. Right. Cause you got to be careful. Cause I'm like, Oh, that person looks sickly and they could just be ugly. <laughs> or they could live in they could live in Houston. It could be allergy season. I mean, exactly. Exactly. Someone well, sneezed at the grocery store, and I had the whole aisle to myself the other day. So, well, you know, we've we've had a few um, like Aurora Multimedia that have come up with you know some um, some nice products and that they've brought to market. But I I looked at a lot of the security products to what you were saying. In my mind, I would want them to be identified before they come into the building, if at all possible. You know, I mean, not. it's good to also have checks throughout or whatever. But yeah, like, no, just let me know. And then I can just keep the door locked. <laughs> you know, their access card will not work. You know? we're, we're seeing people use their turnstiles area, right? So you're still in the building. Yeah. But there's some magical protection about a turnstile, the same one that you know, is perceived from a security standpoint um, <laughs> that they're, what? they're seeing that as the checkpoint for, Oh, you're well, so you're going to be okay. Did you, uh, have you ever been to the Aramco building here? Yes. So you, you, you know, they had the facial recognition. It was some really expensive Italian like airport system uh, for facial recognition that is, you know, tied into uh, Active Directory and that they like know that it's you based on all the facial recognition points and stuff. I'm sure those guys are going to be all over it. Well, so that's an interesting thing. It used to be that your personal privacy was something we talked about a lot about cameras and rooms and counting of people and counting of faces. And now every single client wants it. They went from, I mean, same people that I've had a conversation that, no, we would never do that to mm -hmm. how can we count how many people are in the conference room? Mm -hmm. And how can we then tell them to get out if there's more people than we deem appropriate? So originally they were maybe considering it, but from a real estate standpoint of how much utilization are we getting? But now they're doing it from a social distancing standpoint. Do you see, can do you we see, limit? As a consultant, do you see that, that factor being long-term or more of a knee-jerk reaction that's kind of like the trendy thing that's worried about now that, you know, if it, you know, because it's still questionable and, you know. I'll give you, I'll give you a politician's answer. Who's that? If we come up with a uh, vaccine that makes people feel more comfortable or something like that, or we discover that this was a seasonal Ill illness like right. the flu, then I think it is a very knee-jerk reaction. Um, uh, ultimately, yes, I, I think people are making decisions based on how they Emotion. feel in the moment. Right. right. When ultimately it may prove out that some are wise and some aren't, um, right. but as I said, some people are wanting to totally change the program of their building that we're working on. Yeah. Right. And we don't know, right? We, right. We, you right. may, you may realize that it, it's okay. It's okay for everyone to come here. We just need to be maybe a little more lenient with our policies around working from home. If you feel ill. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of places that, as we all know, want you sitting in the seat every day. Maybe we need to be a little more flexible about that and not change how the entire world that we work in looks right i had to go back to an office when i spent that one year 2011 um at working for an integrator and but i had already been working from home for like eight years before that 
So in hindsight, that was irritating and they shouldn't have made me go to that dang office every day, honestly. I mean, I, I get it. They don't trust salespeople, whatever. Uh, but yeah. I, I, mean, I was more, so I was more speaking around possibly being more flexible for people who are not feeling well. Like a, a good example yeah. that headquartered here in Houston is Cisco Foods, right? Yes. They supply most of the restaurants we all visit with food goods. They, if you have a fever or you don't feel good, you can stay home and work and not use a sick day because nice. obviously financially they can't have their food become infected or they'll lose so much business. So yeah, I think maybe other companies that don't have perishable goods like that will have to start looking at things like that. Like we don't want you to infect everyone on your floor. So right, we're going to trust that you're telling us the truth. Stay home, feel better, evaluate yourself, come back tomorrow. Are you getting, uh, are you getting Zoom fatigue? Or teams fatigue or um I, I spend so I spend a much of my time on it already before that. Yeah. I, I, so no, I don't I don't really feel the zoom fatigue okay. as much. Uh-huh. I don't think. Uh actually to me I kind of like it when we get on a call and I can see other people's faces since I was used to traveling so much. Uh yeah. As opposed to when everybody joins and nobody shares their video, and then I get ear fatigue from actually trying to pick out who's talking, you know, when you're not used to what people's right. faces look that like. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I can understand also, for young children. I mean, my kids did it for school, and I can understand for them. That's kind of a sensory overload to see everyone in their class that usually you're not allowed to look at their faces. And right, right, right. You're looking at the there. back of their heads, at right. least right, half of them. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I wonder, how, what about the manufacturers? Are the manufacturers still reaching out to you? Um, are they trying to engage you? Or are you kind of dodging them because you're busy trying to work on your projects and you're like, y'all just go away until we can get, I don't know, somewhere where things are a little bit more stable? Um, no, they're, they're still rather engaged, the manufacturers are. Uh, and truthfully, for, for me at least, it, it's simpler to just meet with them quickly on a video call. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the before and the before and after time of the meeting that you spend welcoming that's, and that's my favorite part. I know it is, it is, I love it's a balance, right? Up all your important work time, just visiting, shooting the shit with me. I think that's part of it's part of my shtick. Come on, Daniel. <laughs> oh, you get back to it. Don't worry. You're killing me. You're killing me. It just means I can say yes more often. How's that? <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. That's a good one, man. Uh, I know, right? Yeah, I like the, this. Isn't Daniel's first radio? He, he knows. He knows how to spend anything and everything. <laughs> Uh, that's the that's the fun of consulting. Yeah, you have to you have to sit there and read your crowd, right? Yeah, exactly. it is awkward when it's a sea of initials. My my own internal team is not a huge fan of using their cameras, and I'm like, come on, y'all, you can do it. And I'm surprised that's- I'm meeting with a lot of distributors, and um, a lot of them sent their people home without any video cameras either. And I'm like, oh, y'all wow. are adorable, really. I mean, I found that we at least we at Shen tend to be more video sharing when it's an internal call. Yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. than when, when we have, because then it's like, yeah, that's my home office and that's what it looks like. And it's okay. Yeah. Right. It's, it's totally fine. Right. And I'm in a polo. I don't need to be in a suit kind of right. wear somebody else. Yeah. Now here's a quick question. Um, my guess is that there's going to be a lot more companies reaching out to um, consultants like yourself and saying, how do we prepare for big wave of uh, people that can home office to be able to easily. 
are you seeing that any kind of uh, movement in that direction? We're starting. What I've seen, uh, there's a lot of companies that were just not prepared. My wife's company, you know, she's a exec admin in the C level. They were not prepared. So it's, it's basically a, you know, complete cluster once this happened and all of a sudden everybody that can work from home can work from home, which at the home office, this is a retail operation, but at the home office, 90% of the people that work at the home office can, can home yeah, office. Right. And, you know, and they were completely unprepared to deal with that. Are you seeing any kind of, some companies kind of going, Hey, we need to get a game plan going a to, should this happen again? Should it get worse? Blah, blah, blah. Or it's just the new, working paradigm where some people you know so yeah on our um on our it system side we're seeing that's where we really see the uptick on it because for most people it was truthfully their infrastructure that they'd put into place that has limited their ability to work remotely Mm -hmm. right the other and then the second tier we see that people have issues with are people in high cost real estate areas your home does not have an extra bedroom or a space necessarily for you to have a home office. So that that's kind oh, of oh yeah, yeah yeah. If you're in downtown San Francisco or right. New York City, right. yeah, you, you already eat on your lap, so you definitely right don't have an office. Um, right. So we're mostly seeing it on the infrastructure side. Where we are seeing some companies that their sea level people are wanting home offices. Oh, absolutely. To the same standards. I totally called that just so you know, I'm like Nostra AV Domus. I was like about, I was talking to our marketing person. I said, all the C people are going to want just what they have in their boardroom because they want it to, they want the same UI and they want it to work the same way. And yep. Yep. Because they want to look like they know what they're doing. Right. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, it's just like the athletics department at a university. They're always going to get what they want, they, you know, and, and it's our job to kind of keep that propped up. Yeah, I know it, it's interesting on the K through 12 side, which I know y'all don't consult on that because um, y'all aren't slummers, Daniel. But um, uh, a lot of these kids are, are disadvantaged, right? And so a school district that we work with, uh, you know, they had to go, well, they lease them. They'll probably end up buying them, but they had to go buy, you know, lease a bunch of Chromebooks, Mm-hmm. Had to go lease because it's a rural Texas school district, uh, Wi uh, Fi hotspots. But the problem then comes so the child that attends your school for your school district, you've sent them home with a Wi Fi hotspot. They have uh, four siblings that their school district did not send them home with a Wi-Fi hotspot, right? Uh, you know, or, you know, and so as a result, uh, now you got five people all trying to use that one Wi-Fi hotspot. And so that's going to create some unintended consequences. So connectivity, I think, is is a, a huge barrier. It, it is. I think that's the biggest barrier for everyone working from home uh, and being someone that either works from home or travels. Mm-hmm. That's what I told my coworkers were, well, Upgrade your internet. And they're like, what? And I was like, that's my number one tip. Yep. Just bring a monitor home with you and upgrade your internet. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Or just decide you're going to join on audio only. Yeah. You're one of those boring initial people. I got a really nice big LG screen from Costco before all this went down. And I'm feeling like I'm pretty smart. <laughs> 
and I only did it because I had a coworker that had gotten one. And so then I had monitor envy and I was just like, uh, and then they had a special at the Costco and I was like, I'm getting it. And, um, I love it. It's so nice just to be right. able to have, to look at it in a whole Excel spreadsheet. You know how it is where you're not scrolling over 50,000, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. All the little things. Um, and then I had somebody, uh, somebody from Microsoft and one of their resellers had tweeted about Microsoft Teams certified product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I had made the comment and, and, you know, these people are strangers to me, but that's just how Twitter works um, because somebody I knew had liked it or something. Right. And so I was like, well, you know, I don't, I've never used any Microsoft Teams certified product. Um, and I have a really good, you know, user experience. And then it was great because they mansplained to me about how, cause I was like, I even record a podcast on it and I know it sounds good. And they were like, actually, no, it doesn't. And you don't know. And I just, I'm not going to argue with people on Twitter. Cause it's like, Oh, they're mansplaining. Even though I just, I told them I'm in hashtag pro AV. Don't you think I know what the far end sounds like? And Oh, but you're missing this. And, and it's funny because when they started talking about it, I thought, Oh, they, they don't have any good enough customers because we have tons of good enough customers. And if it sounds good enough to our customers, then they don't need to, because a a lot of times those programs, although they can be beneficial for those partners who have paid to play and be part of that, because it's, they're not doing it to be benevolent. There's money being exchanged, right? You know, I mean, if you want to be team certified, there's money. It's Microsoft. I'm sorry. They're not doing this for the greater good. Um, yeah, the product might be better, but it doesn't mean everybody else's product sucks. Uh, so it doesn't mean the product's better. It just means Microsoft promises not to break it with an update. Right. That's right, all right, it means. Right. Thank you. I was so just like, audio quality is no. Yes, there is a there is a bar that they have to be above, yeah. but you can be above that and not have other things and not be Microsoft certified. It, it just means they're not going to break it with an update intentionally. Yeah. Good um, point. Or Very they'll just pull your certification and then break it. Yeah. So there's, that happens too. Yeah. Don't That's let right. that license expire because <laughs> we know That's what's right. going to happen then. So you got to go to ISC this year. You didn't let me know that you were also in Amsterdam. So I'm a little irritated with you, but that's okay. Um, I had a were- whirlwind. I had a whirlwind one day tour of the floor because I had to come back for a project unbeknownst to my scheduling. But Oh, so they made you come back? Yes. So you were there because you're on a steering committee for Avixa. So thank you for participating. Tell us a little bit. What, what committee are you on? Do you It's a standards committee? It's a standards committee. We are updating the system verification and testing. Nice. We're trying to make it easier for everyone to use and not so onerous. Oh, good. Is there a wire shark component? No. So just the same as the, as the framework. Well, just the same as for the framework of what's there. We're not telling you how to do any of the testing. Mm. Avixa doesn't do things that are prescriptive. We're telling you what you should test. Okay. We're hoping that you hire a qualified professional, like a consultant that can tell you (laughs) how you should test it. I like how you slid that in there, huh? <laughs> Damn it. Try, trying to get that testing revenue going for SMW. Yeah, right. Everybody's got to pay bills. Um, so you were there. You got you got called back, um, and you had to come back to the states after. Like you were there, what two days, maybe? I, w- I was actually so the uh, Avixa com- 
MIDI stuff happened uh, Saturday, oh, okay. Monday, uh-huh. and then the floor was open on Tuesday. So Tuesday, I, I spent the day on the floor, which thanks to COVID, I was actually able to see everything in a day because some people didn't come and I know Wasn't I didn't have great? to fight shoulder to shoulder to get places. So. Yeah. Was this your first year or had you been before? Nope. First time at ISC. Okay. So it was my third year um, and I didn't have a problem with there being 30,000 less people. Actually, that worked out well. Um, on the flight over, uh, we had a connection and I ended up being on the same flight as a bunch of the Shure people who I love so much. They're a great group. Um, so that was fun. I was like, oh, I know other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was there for a week, and then it was a little dodgy trying to get back. I don't know, flights were getting canceled. At the time, I didn't really, I wasn't worried about the COVID-19, because um, ignorance is bliss. Nobody had told me I needed to really worry about it. I mean, some people on Twitter were talking about it, um, because there's a guy, um, Adrian, that he's in the digital out-of-home industry, but his son, they're British, uh, his son was an expat actually working in China, and so had already been on lockdown, and it right. was funny because he kept asking, like, hey, you know, is ISC still going to go forward? Is this still a thing? And, and people were kind of clobbering him. I mean, people were just like, man, you're saying negative, you know, know, doom and gloom. And he's like, but he had a different reference point because he actually has an adult son that was going through a a lockdown underneath a communist regime. So he had a different perspective, um, but people were like really kind of on him for that. Um, So one of one of my coworkers from Hong Kong also came to ISE and uh he was concerned yeah. Whether they because while he was in the air, Amsterdam or the Netherlands locked down people from China. Uh-huh, I know. Uh huh. And since Hong Kong is legally China now, but they literally asked him if he'd been to mainland China in the last fourteen days, and he said, "I have not." And they allowed him in the country. Um, wow. nice. So yeah, it was a very rapidly changing environment. Well, if you talk to your coworker, tell them I'm very sorry um, because I do stand with Hong Kong and I do believe in their right to um, to freedoms uh, that they're not going to enjoy anymore because I believe the Chinese government is leveraging this to just further crack them down. Um, and that's very unfortunate. Um, but my brother-in-law also goes to Hong Kong. He's with UPS on the international team. He's been with them like 25 years. Um, and he was there during um, like a, lot, a bunch of the rioting and stuff last summer because it's been going on for a whole year prior to all this happening. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I don't know what it would be like to have your freedoms and then have everything taken away from you. Yeah, I don't know. He grew up in Hong Kong. Uh, he he runs our Asian offices, so uh-huh. all five of them. Oh, and nice. He's grown up in Hong Kong his whole life. I mean, he has family and that live in mainland China, and things, of course, but he they never has lived under a communist regime. He's right. always been, you know, British and then communist light during the uh, yep time. So we'll we'll see how it changes for him and how it changes for us business wise. Yeah, I'll in, be curious. So yeah, I think it's definitely going to change a lot of the electronics market just because just because so many of the components and parts are originate from China. I know, and that's the thing. I wish you know we spend a lot of money to Central America. I do wish we could kind of rejigger 
mm-hmm. if you will, and take some of the money that we're already pouring into Central America. And instead of trying to fight this faux war on drugs, um, like let's just divert some of that and put it into economic programs. You know what I mean? Where people will have jobs and they will have factories. And, you know, it's not like anybody well, in Nigeria is going to become a millionaire overnight. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah, give I mean, them working wages. And, yeah. Like, there, there's a big political difference between there because the money that you're talking about pouring in Central America has come from the government, whereas the money is going to China has come from industry. Right, I know. But if we create those industries, Jerry, then we no, can no, be no, hemisphere-centric. Right. And I'm not trying well, to be a hemisphere well, that's, that You know what? I think that's going to happen right now uh, because, you know, with this, our reliance on any particular part of the world has yeah. been just – it's the biggest red flags that there are. So every, every, any weak point that we notice right now yeah. is being red flagged. So our country's going to respond. So it's like, okay, we need to figure out how to not have that. We don't yeah. want to show that weakness anymore. You know, so, and that's going to, and that's it's not necessarily like a patriotic thing, but it's more like, holy crap, because this is going to hurt us. And everybody can see how it, it's already has hurt us, but we're going to see how it's going to hurt us even worse if we don't, deal with the issues yeah are the manufacturers communicating with you daniel um about any types of delays in shipping or do you have to reach out to them for them to give you feedback is it kind of on a case-by-case basis it's a mixed bag it is it it definitely is some some have uh openly published things Uh others have been very open after we asked and then the third or more like well what product are you asking about yeah yeah right uh you know uh, maybe. How many do you need? Yeah, don't. Right. Um, which tells me there's a shortage, right? right. <laughs> that, answer, that answer in and of itself answers the question. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what a lot of the global brands will do to what we were just talking about, about not relying on one, right? It's not a matter Source. of move it from China to America because it's an American-based com- company. It's, well, I kind of want to have it both places, but I want to get exactly the same chipset. Yeah, same chip from both places. Uh-huh. And it, you know, are we are they going to end up diversifying more across the globe and not just moving? I, I think it'll be more of a diversification of supply chain than it will be move, shifting from. Well, and and that's interesting because when I repped Clear One, um, they they had a policy, just a standing policy that if only one company was the exclusive manufacturer of something, they would not use that product as part of their build. They needed at least more than one because um, like if you go look at uh, plenum cable, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever one of those plenum factories, there's only two, there's one in Japan and one in like Alabama that Dow owns. Whenever the factory blows up, guess, guess what? All of a sudden your plenum cable gets really expensive because there's only one source while they re, you know, rebuild the Japan, Japan factory because of the tidal wave or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that looking at, so, at things like that, you know, like what's the backup plan? You know, wh- where's the source come? Um, when I worked at Molex, I was like, so we manufacture our RJ45 jacks in Poland? Really? I just always thought that was so interesting. And everybody's like, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. I was like, oh, all right. Everybody else is charging five times as much building them in China. But sure, if, if Poland works for us and we're one of the largest, you know, component manufacturers in the world, good for Molex. So it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a quality proposition for, for that 
because I, I know there are some manufacturers that don't make their stuff. Oh, right. Well, no, they I'm... don't make their top end line. Sorry, yeah. it's unfair to say don't make their stuff. Everybody right. makes something in China, uh, but they don't make their top end line and components there because the workforce at the time didn't have the skill level. Granted, that's building every year. Right. But yeah. In fact, oddly enough, one of them makes some things in Alabama because apparently we are the cheapest. That's the state with the cheapest skilled labor in the world. Is it? I don't know what the def- definition of skilled is. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that's the thing. That Sen- Sen- Sennheiser microphones, the nice Sennheiser microphones are made two places in the world, Ireland uh-huh. and Alabama. Well, wow. Alabama has a ton of engineering talent. Let us and what, not forget. And, well, they, and actually, they have a lot of manufacturing because for a long time before it went to China, they made all the electronic components for cars. Uh huh. That's what I found found out. So it was yeah. kind of an interesting. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. They didn't like the one, quality they found in Asia. This was mm-hmm. five years ago that they made this decision, uh-huh. and then, but they did didn't like the price of European. German workers, right? Sure. And so they they're picked, union workers. They come. Right. They, it's a premium, absolutely. They, they pick. They picked right. Alabama and Ireland. Oh, that makes complete sense. Uh, you know, on the other hand, you know that's a premium brand, right? And that's a, that's a, the, one of the things that's changing in our world in electronics. Period. You know, it's the same way that you have um, um, stuff that comes from China, where you all of a sudden you, you know Sennheiser makes great, phenomenally great top-of-the-line microphones, you know, but they got, they got microphone A that's, you know, $900. Yeah. You know, say, you know, small diaphragm shotgun, whatever, it's seven $800 mic. China makes a $50 equivalent. You know, so True. there's a big, giant delta between, uh, obviously, the quality and the build has that delta as well, but the market perceives it differently. You know, if I can get a Sennheiser microphone for 150, I can probably get a Chinese knockoff of it for 50. Yeah, and that's the thing that we got to fight, and it's not that we're going to fight, but we have to be aware of and prepare, address. And, know, address. right think- now in, in this situation, everybody's going build America, and everybody's like, okay, great. You know, if you go to something like you know hand tools, mm-hmm. well, that means all of a sudden you're you're buying Snap-on tools, you're buying Mac tools, you're buying you know. Instead of going right. to Harbor Freight and, and paying, you know, fifty dollars for a set of fifty of ten wrenches, yeah. you're going to snap on and paying three hundred dollars for that same set. Yeah. Or buying some car jacks that are gonna collapse on you. Sorry, article I read <laughs> exactly. last week. But I mean, but sticking with that idea, Jerry, it, it, the, those premium brands, mm-hmm. even beyond their product, because a lot of them are starting to come out with value proposition lines. Value but, engineered, sure. Is and they'll and they'll openly say you know, this has shortcomings. Here's what they are. And that's what you're getting. You're getting from them for slightly higher price uh, equivalent, but you're getting their support. Yeah. History. Yeah. And I mean, I think the direct view LED marketplace completely leans to that, right? They're all, let's be honest, they're all made in the same place for all practical purposes. The actual LED, Mm -hmm. it's what support am I going to get? Am I going to have to call you 12 hours out of my time zone? To get I know. One, or is it a brand that I know? And yes, you're charging a little more for the same thing, but I know you're going to be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's absolutely, you know, that's you know, because and you've had this question. I, all everybody here has had this question where you have a client and says, "Well, why why would I buy this commercial grade television <laughs> mm-hmm. 
when I can mm-hmm. go to Best Buy or any of the big box stores and get a one that's, you know, a couple of thousand dollars less or a thousand dollars less. So you're going to run, that's the fight that we're going to have. And I think it's an, as an industry, the American version of this industry, because even though, and this is going to, you know, it's different around the world, but as far as America and people want, you know, kind of like have stuff built here, that's a drastic difference. You know, it's like, can't, if, if Samsung decided it's like, we're going to make some TVs in America. How much do you think a 55 inch LED Samsung America TV would cost compared to at 500 bucks from? All right. A couple things. Um, they so, wouldn't build it in America. They would build it in North America. And um, all the Macchiadoras along the border have some pretty competitive rates. You'd be surprised. Um, I mean, we do have a lot of our manufacturers that do have a Mexico presence, right? We all right. know that. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It, I mean, you know, yeah, unfortunately, those employees do have to deal with, you know, living in like drug cartel country. So that kind of sucks. But, you know, outside of that, I think empowering Mexico, who is part of North America, I know they say habla espanol, and that's hard for people to get their little head around. They're not Central America. They are part of North America. It's a geographic mm-hmm. designation. Um, I think empowering them and, and, and certainly looking at those strategies, I think, um, right. could be very beneficial. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. You get it closer to home. Just closer to home. It's all, exactly, it's proximity. I mean, I can drive to the Mexican border. What is it from here? Laredo oh, six is hours, yeah. six hours. Yeah. Six yeah. hours down to Laredo. I can get mm-hmm. to Mexico quicker than I can get to El Paso. People have no idea how big our state That's is. Right. <laughs> right? You know? yep. um, El Paso is in a different time zone. What are you talking about? It's right. Technically it's part of New Mexico. Shh, don't tell them I said that. That's not a very popular. Actually El Paso is part of Mexico. <laughs> I, it really I was is. born there. I know. <laughs> I know. I have lots of friends that were born there. So, uh, so any plans to return to the office, or have have you gotten any feedback on when travel might resume? Because I have some friends, like my girlfriend Renee with NEC. She was traveling this week. She lives in Missouri, um, and she was kind of excited to get back out on the road. I, I spoke with one of the PBS guys that's over the uh, the MI Harmon. You know, they rep mm-hmm. Harmon, and he was going to be getting back out on on the road this week as well, uh, traveling, supporting. Yeah, the I had a couple, a couple of acquaintances in the industry, yeah. you know, posting that they were they actually had like a three flight situation today, Deville. Uh, oh, Michael. Okay. Yeah, yeah like he went to Vegas and then El Paso and then somewhere else. But he was posing on it today about it. But so I, I was that not part's on... returning. Yeah. So yeah, have you heard anything, Daniel? I mean, my company is not pushing it. Um, so we we are definitely not pushing it. Yeah. Um, for the most part, from a lot of the in person page turns and design meetings, we're we're not seeing clients even want them to be in person it's more just for projects that are needing that final punch list checkout ca Um, ca type work yep correct um and it and it's mixed from state to state obviously as to even if you're allowed to go do it um typically if it's inside of the city we live in we're going and doing it if we're having to take an airplane to get there we're probably not unless it's really truthfully the last one Mm -hmm. um so, it, and it's more really, we've had a couple of challenges uh, in some states where they were going to go do a site visit, but the hotels were completely closed. 
Oh. So it was like, and it, and it was a longer trip. Know. You know, they could drive there, but it was, uh-huh. you know, it wasn't a single day trip just because of the distance of the drive. Right. And so, so yeah. it was like, there's definitely yeah. a lot of other factors involved. Yeah. Uh, the like, baby yeah, you can, Jesus. You can fly there, but there's no hotels to stay at. It's like, Right. Another, or you can't, or none of the restaurants, none there. of the restaurants are open either. So right, but none of the restaurants are open, so you can't eat. You know? right. <laughs> so you're eating out of stop. Uh, stop I, I had a, I have a, a project in Austin that I was supposed to go and do the final commissioning on when the lockdown started, or, or well, actually the week before it started. So, but we as a company had said we're not traveling for right. the time being. Yeah, and so I sent them an email saying, "Oh, I'm not going to be able to come." Sorry, want to find another time. And they went, oh, well, it's okay. We're activated because it's an emergency operations center. So you couldn't have come anyway. Uh, There you go. That would have been great to communicate. Thank you, guys. Uh, uh, So that's kind of my one that's hanging out there now. I have a a police station in College Station and Uh an emergency operations center in Austin that need to be punched. But both of those are under a lockdown because of just how they're treating things. Sure. Right. So. Uh, as far as going back to the office, we're we're generations taking the approach of once we do decide that it's time to go, it's it's at your own discretion. I as mean, an individual, it's a very okay. pretty well, office, pretty cool. and I and I love the historic building that it's in. Uh, but I would categorize it as very boutiquey, um, and so it's it's a it's an efficient. Um, footprint if you will so i mean literally maybe two people i don't know maybe three if one person sits in the conference room but how are you social distance how are you social, social distance when it's like there's just y'all don't have a lot of square footage so our houston office we we don't have it anymore oh you don't because all of us were traveling uh-huh most of the time thanks to the wonderful price of oil here in houston oh our projects even though they're with houston architects are uh-huh. not in Houston. So oh, we, we found that a majority of the time we were traveling, so it just wasn't financially smart to keep an office. Um, that makes sense. Now, some of our other, I mean, all of our other cities have physical offices still. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, we're kind of the guinea pig here in Houston. I love that. Good. I'm glad y'all had got, y'all got rid of it. It was funny <laughs> when they first went to put an office, uh, another office, they were thinking about moving the Houston office because the guys in New York wanted it to be halfway between um, Dallas and Houston. So that office could service both so markets. Huntsville? Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I think it was at the time, Jim was still with y'all and Correct. he obviously Jim McConnell had worked with Jim for over a decade, I believe. And, uh, she was like, and exactly how does, what does that commute look like? And of course the guys in New York were like, we well, just take the train. And they were like, ha ha ha. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Which funny <laughs> enough is, is one of the, one of the drawbacks to some of our other cities going back to work is they have to take mass transit. Right. right to get which, to their office and which is the most even though the office itself be, can be protected you're 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 in the train with who knows you know <laughs> i know um so yeah that's that would be interesting centerville yeah, I, exactly, I know yeah, exactly. just it's it's named that for a reason we all have to drive two hours no matter where we live well, so to what a town I love that probably doesn't have internet faster than 100 megs. What I love is that uh, RVing is the big thing now, and so I feel like Jerry was really ahead of his time. Um, Thank you. But yeah, because like now all these families are like, well, how can we go somewhere and still, you know, stay safe and uh, <laughs> RV? So the RV market is is booming apparently. 
Um, and people are really like getting into that idea, which I think is awesome. And drive-in movies are making a comeback too. Uh, now that I, one I get behind a hundred. I love that. I love yeah. that. I, I'm hoping we we adopt what I've seen in Europe is uh, they're starting some drive-in concerts, so live music, yeah. but you know, I'm not, I'm pump, so playing it nice and loud if you want to open your windows, but you can listen to it on your radio in your car too. If you right. Feel I, like I, you want to isolate. Yeah, I've seen. I've read some articles where some churches are doing that. You know, because uh-huh. a lot of those places are abandoned and just, you know, defaulting and just empty pieces. But you know, they can bring it back together, doing an RF uh, transmitters, and it's not not really hard at all to be able to transmit well, to the vehicles and stuff, and just like tune into so and so, you know. And so it's it's interesting. Um, my girlfriend works for what's now a Canadian company. Um, she's a remote worker living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because that's the only way you can make a real wage in that town. Sorry. Um, is by actually working for someone based elsewhere. They had been a Tampa, Florida-based company. So they're a big global insurance company. Insurance companies always have money for those that don't know. And right. she is in their real estate division. She is an actual broker. They broker their own deals because that way they can get better deals on real estate because they can give up their points because it's all internal to the company. Um, And it's a pretty brilliant strategy in terms of managing it. And it kind of went all uh, back to the Shaw Group days. So this team was the team that did the same thing at Shaw before they got bought by Chicago Bridge and Iron. And CB and I was like, money, money, we could care less. Um, and didn't want that division, whatever. They were just going to outsource it to CBRE. So come to find out, you know, the minute this went down and, you know, they're Canadian and U.S. is shutting down Canada, the first thing you do, because they also have like temporary space, right? And they have a lot in Houston because Houston's a huge market, um, one of the major markets. And all of a sudden, Oh, yeah. All the landlords are like, oh, did you want to go ahead and sign that three-year lease? Oh, you know, trying to get it. And they were like, oh, not only are we pressing pause and we're not signing anything, we're also not going to be paying you any money for a little while. So there's going to be a weird, and I I haven't wanted to read too much about it because I don't like getting depressed, Um, but there's going to be a weird cataclysmic thing that happens on the commercial property side of the equation um, that I'm not sure how that's going to end up looking. Um, it's it's just going to be very different. Yeah, it is going to be. Well, a lot of stuff is going to be different, I think, you know. I think for the companies who can't let their workers work from home. Right. Right. For whatever reason, whether that's logistical or emotional. Well, we've all, they, had, a, we've all had coworkers that needed adulting, correct. even though we're, we don't need that. Oh, yeah. so, yeah. I think they will end up helping the real estate market because – they're going to spread people out. Maybe yeah. our off our oh, open office hell right. is in worker density is going to yeah. change, right? We're, we're going to see a lot. I think we're going to end up seeing a lot more private offices or at least full height. Yeah. Cubicles. Uh, my, my, every, my, everyone's right. getting a little more room. You know, my, my dreams and prayers are behind the death of the cubicle farm. I know. That is I the agree. worst idea in business that I've ever seen in my life. So you're saying buy stock in a door company. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> the offices are coming back. Well, yeah. no, it's, well, it's also- that, 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 That's what I want. And and because it makes no sense. And I think, Dan, you've been you've been in cubicle farms before and stuff like that. For somebody who's in the technical field, if if all your coworkers are not working on the exact same project, is a distraction. It's perfect if everybody's on the same project. Yeah. 
It is not. It's the biggest distraction in the world. You have to literally wear in-ear mon, you know, or have some kind uh, of headphones to be able to work. When When I saw a study that for senior, for 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 senior people, it's actually their productivity falls off steeply because now everyone stops by to ask you a question. Yeah. Instead of thinking, should I try to figure this out on my own before I go knock on their door? Uh huh. Right. It's not the idea of you can't come ask me a question, but should you? And suddenly when you're sitting in a thing where you can see my face when I'm sitting at my desk and I'm not actively talking, I must be available. I couldn't possibly be working on something. Yeah, right. I couldn't possibly be pontificating. Well, I remember Daniel um, just as before he became an exalted consultant here in the um, U.S. consulting industry when he was just a lowly uh, engineer at Whitlock. Well, you weren't allowed to call yourself an engineer, were you? What was in your the title? state in the state of Texas? You can't be an engineer without a PE license. Right, right. So, so system designer. He was a system designer for Whitlock. Um, you loved your office and you loved closing that door. Um, um, just so y'all know, he spent years deflecting, going, oh, Exxon Mobil, Exxon Mobil. And then he would just, you know, if you open the door, he'd be like, oh, Exxon Mobil, bye-bye. And he would just like, yeah. yeah I, I was working on Exxon Mobil and Shell at the same time. I was a busy guy. You were a busy guy. But, but if you didn't have that, could you imagine if you were trying to get that work done with all the calls between those two very large customers, what that would have been like if you were in a cube farm with, you know, other engineers and other every other type of employee. I mean, I don't know. I I can't stand cubes. Sorry, it doesn't. No, work. It, w- it would have been challenging. It, especially considering there are there are projects sometimes, especially in the consulting world, that not everyone inside of my office is covered by our agreement with that company. Absolutely. So I can't sit and have a telephone call. Yep without finding a private space. Yeah, they don't fit in the NDAs and stuff. Right. Yeah, because there's some that cover everyone in the entire company, but there's right. others that Exxon would be a good example, right? Because uh-huh. I moved from Whitlock to Cosentini, and they had to have the people working on that team in an isolated area in their office until it went out to bid. Yeah. And then they joined back to the cubicle farm. Uh, so basically, every time they had to talk to it, they had a conference room that was, that's what they sat there and <laughs> talked about. And so if you weren't doing heads down work, you had to be in a conference room, which is a challenge. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Well, this was good. What yeah, do you think, excellent. Jerry? Was it nice to catch up with Daniel? It Absolutely. Feels, yeah. It feels like it's been forever. Well, Daniel, you're looking good. You got some kind of, you got some big hair. Um, I have some big hair. You're kicking some some Texas hair, but yet you still look very very nicely groomed. I, I don't um, think I haven't cut it since January. How long you been rocking the full beard mustache? How long well, is that? See, how long has that been? That's been a couple of years, six or four. No, I don't know, four to six years, know. somewhere in there. But I, can I, sh- tell I shaved it off once. Yeah. And my daughter was like, "Dad, no, you look so ah! weird," because. She's 10, so most of her life she's yeah. seen me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to remember because the last time I saw Daniel was literally at ExxonMobil because I was I, I replaced him at Whitlock to do <laughs> the engineering for that project. Uh, to do the IP tables. That oh, was, yeah. yeah, that was a teeth kicker. Yay. Thanks, Daniel. You're just, you're a giver. That's Daniel's right. a giver that way, y'all. But I think that's <laughs> the, the last time I physically saw Daniel, so we were finishing it out and commissioning and stuff on that. Yeah, I don't. Home away from home for years. Did you ever do a just a goatee, or was it always the full beard? I'm trying to uh, remember. No, pre- previous to having a full beard, I had 
just a goatee. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. Actually, for a period of time. I, so I had a goatee, and then <laughs> I started doing a lot of scuba diving, and a mustache does not seal well. So I went oh. to just literally just the goatee with no mustache. Oh. Um, because that, I was like, that was an interesting biker look. <laughs> because, well, not a long goatee. I had that. I, that was a college look for me. I had the Jeff Bagwell goatee in college. <laughs> I, I sense a Harley in his garage. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Oh, actually, well, I had people when I was in graduate school tell me, "I think you're going to be like a metal worker or something." I don't think you're actually <laughs> going to use the degree. <laughs> Because at the time I had a long goatee and did wear Harley Davidson stuff on a regular <laughs> exactly. basis. So good call there, Jerry. <laughs> I knew it. Oh. I, I can't talk shit. There's one in my garage. <laughs> we had a we had a little Sons of Anarchy moment. That was so cute. Little history moment. We I met Daniel the first time in Toyota Center, Houston's uh, NBA stadium. I correct down in and, the and then we, in the truck dock. And then we worked together in yeah. the islands. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We did a very fun stadium project down in Antigua where you get to learn that no problem actually means not my problem. Oh, y'all need to do a Caribbean lexicon. (laughs) When they say this, it really means this. That's right. I'll be right there. I'll be there sometime before the next Thursday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm on my way means you'll see me within a one-week period. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be there next week means next month. (laughs) That kind of stuff, yeah. Crazy time. Cool. Cool. Well, thanks thanks for joining us, Daniel. Daniel, Thanks thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. It was fun. Cool. And uh, with that, uh, we'll say see you next time, guys. And uh, any parting words, Michelle? Um, I don't think so. Stay safe. Wash your hands. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Mostly AV, Who We Are show. We hope you have a wonderful day and that you stay safe. Until next time, take care and stay AV awesome.